Well, this morning, if you would join with me in turning to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. So 2 Corinthians 2. This is the uh, second letter that we have of, uh, to the Corinthians from Paul. Now, we know there were more letters than this, but this is the one that we have. And uh, there was actually, he even speaks of one. Actually, if you read a little before the context of the passage we're going to, it is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 14 through 16a. Uh, if you look above that, he actually talks about a letter that he has already written that we just simply don't have. So we know there was more correspondence between Paul and the Corinthians, but this is the, uh, the second correspondence that we are actually given, and, uh, and so we go with it this morning. Notice here, we want to begin reading in 2 Corinthians, and we'll go to 2 and then pick up here in verse 14 and go down to 16, halfway through. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your holy Word. Holy Spirit, would You now apply this Word to our hearts and help us to respond in faith and obedience, we pray In your most holy name, amen. We smell. Yeah? We smell. We do. Uh, Living things smell. People smell. There's really no way around it. You can try to cover up the smell. You can try to neutralize the smell. But we, we, we actually do smell. And so we're surprised sometimes to smell somebody else, you know? We're surprised sometimes to even smell ourselves sometimes, and it's it's something we often want to cover up or perfume or cologne at. And you know, day on Valentine's Day in particular, you probably are very well perfumed and maybe coloned today. But but nonetheless, we as humans, it's something that we have to constantly work at because the the point blank of it is we actually do smell. Now, it doesn't mean that we're a bad smell always. Uh, we could be. A good smell, but nonetheless, we 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 kind of do smell, and it's something that that is just part of being a human. And here's what Paul picks up on. He uses Paul oftentimes uses something that's very plain and factual to our life, everyday sort of thing. And he says, you know what? We are to be the aroma of Christ, the fragrance of God in the world. And yet, oftentimes we look at ourselves and we say, you know what? Life stinks. My life stinks. It doesn't just smell. It, it just flat out stinks. Like I was sharing with the kids a moment ago, we smell a dirty diaper somewhere and we look around and we're the only one around. Uh, once, once I was going to youth camp, I was going to youth camp, and thanks for the delayed, delayed response there. Um, I was going to youth camp on a bus and I smelled this smell. It was like a sour smell. I'm like, Man, this this bus really stinks. You know, I don't. They should have got us a different bus. And you know, what can you expect on a church bus after all, right? 
but nonetheless, I was thinking, this is a very distinct smell. It doesn't smell good. And, uh, and so I'm kind of looking around the people sitting next to me. I'm like, man, somebody didn't, didn't do something right, you know? Well, finally, I get to, you know, my room and stuff. This is after all day. And I take off my shoes and I realize that it was actually my shoes that stank so bad. And Justin, <laughs> Jessica had, uh, had told me before to throw those shoes away because there was a, a smell to them. But sometimes we, we're walking around and we're, we're fumigating the place and we don't even know that we stink. You ever notice it's pubescent when you get in that area? It's like all of a sudden, hey bud, somebody has to finally tell you, hey man, you're going to have to start putting something on. You know what I mean? You're just really putting off a scent here that, that, that you don't even understand. And it's not a good one. Uh, and, and this is where we sometimes find ourselves, unfortunately, in a spiritual sense. So spiritually speaking, we're walking around fumigating the place and it just plain out stinks. You know, this is actually what happened to our first parents, Adam and Eve. They sin against God. Remember, over food. We talked about this last week. And they go and hide because they know they've really messed up. Life now is very different for them because of sin. And in the Scriptures, God is sometimes offended and nauseated because of our sin. Literally saying at times concerning their sacrifices, He says, it makes me want to throw up to smell your sacrifice to me. makes me want to throw up. This is what sin does to our life because it's a bad smell. And you know what? A lot of us, if we start opening up the past, we realize that the past really does stink. We used to uh, do a men's breakfast. Maybe we should kick it back off, but maybe not after this story. We, uh, we had a men's breakfast, and um, it, we had it in someone's garage. Man, we cooked a bunch of eggs, you know what I'm saying? Just a bunch, of, a load of eggs. I mean, because, you know, I like eggs, and, and I guess everybody else did too. So we had this huge thing. Some of you were there, actually, for this. And, and we cooked the eggs, and we put them in this bowl or whatever. Well, we set all the food down on the table, and everybody's hungry, you know. It took a while to cook everything. And so we open those eggs up, and there is just a rancid smell coming from these eggs. It's, it's something dead in there. It's a rotten egg, apparently, that had been cooked into the eggs. Do you guys remember this? It was, it was just awful. And I mean, some of the guys were like, look, it's, it's fine. It's not a big It's just the smell, you know. And they started eating it and stuff, and they didn't get sick. But you know what? I couldn't eat it. I just really couldn't. The smell alone deterred me away from enjoying my eggs, which I really do love. And, and, and you know what? It, I, I think about my own life. And I think about my past. And if you start opening the bowl to my past, it's going to really, really stink and taint the way you look at me. It really will. If we knew about your past, it would really stink, wouldn't it? I mean, this is one of the good things about not being able to know someone's thoughts. It's really a grace that God has given to us. Because it'd be way more difficult to love people if you knew what they had done. Uh, But we so easily are looking out for someone else's stench when in fact it's us who stinks. It's our past that is sinful. It's our past 
that is putting off a fragrance that is not of Christ. Sometimes in our own life, even now, it's not just our past. It's instead what's brewing right now in our thoughts. It's what we have cooking in our lives right now. You know, I received some really, really troubling news this past week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a shock to many to hear of, of people's, you know, failure and this sort of thing. Uh, but, I, you know, I've just kind of grown accustomed to it. It's, it's, not, it's not that I'm hardened. It still hurts me. It's just that I'm not really surprised anymore to all of a sudden see someone that I thought was, was well on their way with Jesus and their family to all of a sudden realize that they had been cooking something in their life that was finally done and finished. And what it was was not of God. And it really stinks and messes up everybody else's life when somebody does something like that. That could be happening right here. I could be looking at you right now. I don't know. That's why I never try to do that. I never try to play that game. I never try to judge people because I can't. I have no. You could. You could be to me just well beyond you know me on the spiritual journey, and yet all of a sudden there's something in your life that you've been brewing up, cooking, working on, that could destroy everything that you've ever lived for. It could be happening right now. That's a real sobering sort of thing. Um, that's, that's, a real, that's something to really stop in our tracks because we've all been there in the past where we were working on something, where we had something going on in our life, where we were entangling ourselves in something that we were not going to be able to get out of. That it was going to change everything. You know, here's the good news of that. And that is, Jesus can actually forgive us of our past. That's huge. You know what He says? He says, not only can I forgive you of your past, but I can forget it. Now, that's... You know, forgiving someone is one thing, right? But forgetting? That's... If you've ever had a situation like that, that's a completely different thing going on there. That's a whole new battle is to be able to forget that and not treat them as if they did that. And God says, you know what? I can actually do that. I can forget it. Now all of a sudden it raises up in us. We say, hang on, I don't, I don't want you to forget that, that that person did to me. And then we don't even look, do we, at what we've done to God? What I've done to God in the past? What I've asked Him to forget about me? What I've had to ask Jessica to forgive in me, my children to forgive, my mom, my dad to forgive, my friends to forgive. When I've messed up, I want them to forget that, not hold it against me. And God says, you know what? I can actually do that. I can throw it away and I'll never bring it up again. That's good news. If you haven't heard, that is like super good news as they say today. That's the new buzzword of the day. Super. Everything's super. It's good news because He can cast it away as far as the east is from the west. Put it in the deepest sea where no one's ever going to be able to drudge that and get it back up. No one. 
And He won't. He promises not to. Just imagine that your sins, your past can be wiped clean and He won't bring it back up again. He won't treat you like you did that stuff. He will not accuse you. Now, we do have, don't we, an accuser? That's actually, you understand what Satan means. Satan is not a proper noun. You don't even have to actually capitalize Satan, grammatically speaking. It's actually accuser. He is just the accuser. Satan is not a person. Now, that's a whole different theological thing we can get into at another point in time. Because God is three persons, and Satan rejected that. He was an angel. Now he's a fallen angel. And really, when you read his descriptions, all he can do to us is accuse us. But doesn't that weigh on us when somebody's accusing us of something? I mean, you ever been accused of something? Especially things that, that really are not true about you. That really weighs on you. I mean, I can really destroy some, just an accusation sometimes. And yet Jesus says, you know what? You don't have to listen to Him. You don't have to listen to those accusations. What matters ultimately is what I believe about you and what I see in you. He can do that. He can do that. You know, pride is the worst of all smells, isn't it? And if we really open our arm and take a whiff, we can all smell it in us. Pride. It lurks in the craziest of places. I mean in church. I mean in good works. I mean in showing up your spouse or your husband or your wife or your friend or your neighbor. It shows up in the good things and the bad things. You can be the most prideful person in the world and be on the outside looking great. Everybody thinks you're the best Christian. In my own life, my personal testimony is one where pride filled my life. Where I was good because of what I did. Not because of God. I had all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted in the Christian life because I had been told to do that and I did it. And I thought that was it until I met the person of Jesus Christ. Behind all the commands, behind all the sacrifices, behind all the prayers and creeds and songs, there is a real person today that you can meet, that you must encounter. Without that encounter, all of it is nothing. And it leads nowhere. But once you meet Him, everything begins to change. Our reading, our praying, our loving, our forgiving changes. We do it not out of necessity, but out of a heart of love. Now, we're going to have to work hard today because they're out there having a party. Um, I can tell you've already heard it, uh, so we'll just get it out on the table. Uh, so we're going to have to have our own party in here. And so stay with me, and we'll try to, try to make this fun, right? Uh, because as I like to tell my students... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> as, I, as I like to tell my students, you know, I like to have fun just as much as you do. And so if, I'm, if y'all are bored, I'm going to be bored. Uh, now, here's the deal. God can handle both these things. It says in Psalm 51... 
It says in Psalm 51 that He can not only blot out our transgressions, wipe them clean, but He can actually purge us from our sin. The language, if, you know, during Lent is a time of repentance, right? One thing that you ought to do is just sit there and every day read Psalm 51 at least once. It's a prayer of repentance. It's David at his worst moment. It's David when we see him stinking the worst. And he's crying out to God. And he says things like, purge me. Cleanse me. So it's not just the forgiveness of sins. I'm the same person. I'm just now forgiven. No, no, no. It is forgiven and cleaned up. He took a bath. He got changed. As we say around the house when you have a dirty diaper. He got changed. He's a new man now. We have to come to that point where we want that change in our life. Where we no longer want to sit in our own mess, but instead be cleansed. Be washed. Isn't that what He offers? He's not offering some cheap date where He just puts some cologne on you and you're really still the same stinking person. No, He's offering you a bath and a meal and health and joy and life. That's what He's offering. And nothing less. You just want, I just want oftentimes, the cheap fix. We just want a band-aid. You know, my kids sometimes come to me with an injury, which is quite often actually, uh, having four boys. By the way, uh, you know, Blakely's in for, a, in for a real different life than some girls, you know. She's, she she's going to have five stinking men around all the time, you know what I mean? Jessica already is dealing with this, but uh, so I hope maybe she can liven things up. But nonetheless, sometimes my kids come to me and they have this injury like a, like a splinter or something, right? They just want me to put a Band-Aid on it or something and, and just, okay, okay, it's, it's alright, it's, it's okay. No, 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 we're about to dig that thing out, big guy. You come with a toothache and you're like, no, no, I don't want you to take the tooth. Uh, just just give me, some, give me some, some cream just to numb it. You see, God won't settle for anything less than perfection. He tells us this, be ye perfect. Sometimes you have to use the King James just because it sounds more poetic. Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He will not settle for just a band-aid on cancer. He's not working just with the outward symptoms. That's what all we can see. You know, sometimes we see a festering wound in someone spiritually. You know, but there's somebody sitting there, spiritually speaking, who's filled with death in their body. God is not just wanting to put a band-aid on that do a superficial fix to that, give you some medicine to knock out the pain. He wants to take it out. He wants to cleanse our bodies of sin. And only then will we be able to do what Paul's talking about here in 2 Corinthians, which is to be the aroma, the smell of God in the world. Now, we've been, if you're not, if you haven't been with us, you know, and following with us online, we actually have been in a series called The Faith Awakens. And it's been dealing with the five senses. So the first Sunday we looked at seeing faith, then touching grace, hearing truth, and then tasting and seeing the goodness of God. And in today, so we're dealing with the aroma, the smell of holiness. Say, can we smell God? 
Well, I mean, Paul's using this image here because smell is such a big part of our life, isn't it? Oh yeah, trust me. Go to India and tell me it's not. I've been to India. been to India twice. And both times you get there and you're like, wow, I'm in India. You know, I've always heard about the smell, now I know the smell. Now, look, it may not be, you know, my cup of tea, but they come here and they may not like the way we smell. Um, it's just the way, I like the way the country smells, not the city. Maybe you like the way the city smells, I don't know. There's a different smell to me in the morning than in the evening. Uh, smell is just such an inter... And Paul uses this very base thing, this thing that, again, is empirical. It's something that can be touched, felt, smelt in this case. And he says, you know what? We need, as we walk through life, when we pass by people... You ever, you ever had that happen? You pass them in the hallway and you get that whiff that comes, right? And if you already know they stink, I just kind of hold my breath when the whiff comes. You know what I mean? It's like... And I just kind of go past them. And there comes the whiff. You can feel it. You know, just passing by two people, you can feel it. You can smell it. Uh, Paul says, you know what? When we walk through this world, we should be whiffing out, smelling out uh, God, Christ, His love. And oftentimes, unfortunately, like we have seen, that's not the case, but it can be. Which leads me to the next thing. There's also this thing of neutral if you will, a neutral smell. Some people aren't alive enough to smell. You ever notice how like when you freeze food, you there's no smell? It's fascinating to me. when I, I'd never read Dante's Inferno, and so I just when we went to the beach one time, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to pick a, a crazy book to read just so I can always say I've read Dante's Inferno, you know? And, uh, and so I read it, and at the end, it's interesting... The pick, like he, he's going down all these layers of hell, and he finally gets down to Satan. And you're just thinking, man, this is going. You know, he's already caused all this suffering. He's already caused all this evil, all these different uh, tears of hell. You get down there, and Satan is just sort of uneventful. He's stuck in the ice. It's really interesting. Like you think he's like have a pitchfork and blazing flames, you know, something like that. You know, like something like you'd see out of WrestleMania. You know, with the flames going and fireworks. He's he's in, he's on ice. He's frozen. He can't even move. And I think what he was trying to say to us is that's what sin does to us is it deadens us. It doesn't make us more alive. People talk about all the time, you know, go out and live and and, and sow your, you know, seeds and roots or whatever they call what is it called? Wild oats. There you go. I never did that, so I didn't want to. I don't know what it means, but uh, so your wild oats. You know, do all this stuff. Go enjoy the world. People talk about you don't really know unless you date a bunch of people. That's a bunch of garbage. C.S. Lewis has a nice little piece in Mere Christianity. He says, he says, you know, we oftentimes think that the person who is like a big sinner, you know, somebody that's just really, they used to be addicted to alcohol, used to be in the mob or something, killed a bunch of people, all this. We think those people really know the weight of temptation. He says, no, they don't. They've only said yes to temptation. They have no idea of the weight of temptation that's upon someone who has never taken of the forbidden fruit. And it stands there always and they've never tasted. That's somebody who knows the full weight of temptation. Not the weak one who actually gives in. One of the things I share with, with youth concerning their sexuality is, is as, when I talk to, to guys, young boys, I say, look, 
you know, it's not more of a man to have multiple partners. That means you are weak. That's all that means, is you are weak as a man, not strong. A strong man protects women, does not use women. You are weak if you fall into temptation constantly. In whatever area, you are weak, not strong if you're a sinner. Jesus was the manliest man of all, and He never once sinned. That's what it means to be a human. That's what we all strive for. That's what it means to be a man of God. It's what it means to be a woman of God. And this is our calling. We are called not to just flip through... I came up with a new thing, right? Because I watch everybody. Uh, you know, Everybody's a people watcher at some level. I'm a people watcher. I'm watching people. Here's what they do on their phone. It's kind of cool. I can't do it. I've tried to do it. But like they'll get on Instagram or something and they'll flip like this. They'll go, whoop, whoop, shoop, whoop. You know what I'm talking about? They'll do their flip and they'll stop it on the picture. I can't ever do it. My picture stops like halfway and it messes up. But they'll flip and they'll stop. And so I came up with a thing. I came up with a new thing. It's the first time I've ever used it. We'll see how it goes. It's called flipping through life. We don't want to just flip through life. And people just sit in waiting rooms and just flipping through life when they could maybe be interacting with someone, praying for someone. You're just flipping mindlessly through your phone, flipping through internet, flipping through TV. Don't just flip through your life. That's like being frozen. It doesn't bring life to do that. Put the device down during Lent. I'm serious. Just put the remote controller down. Sir, put the TV controller down, you know. Put your mouse down. Put your computer down. Stop. Look around. Take it all in. Literally stop and smell the road. There's a reason. Valentine's Day, right? Roses. Stop today and actually smell a rose. Don't be dead walking through life. Don't be frozen, lifeless, neutral. That's not what God has called us to, is it? Jesus says this, the thief... The enemy, Satan, the Satan, actually comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life, and guess what? Have it to the abundance. Have it to the full. That's what He calls us to. Not a life of neutrality, but a life of passion, a life of zeal, a life of purpose, a life filled with love. And the only way to do that is through forgiveness. You're not going to be able to love God or other people if you don't forgive. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. You know, fresh things, alive things, all that stuff smells. I mean, if you're around fresh flowers, it's going to smell. I mean, it smells great. I, lo- you know, I actually like to go and, you know, this may be weird, but I love my trees. I paid some money for them, at least money to me, you know. Might not be much money to you, but it's money to me. And I, I planted these things. I've cultivated these things. I feel like I got a little garden in my back of these trees. I love them. I even like to smell them. I get real close and try to, you know, smell them. I, you know what else? I like, I like cut grass. When, when grass is cut and healthy, it smells awesome. My grass smells like nothing right now, which is unfortunate. But I cannot wait till the spring. I'm going to get that smell again of a cut. I, there's, I, I'm telling you, there's not many things in life that I like more than to sit and look at my yard after I've cut it. I, maybe I'm weird, but I mean, I, I'm telling you. 
that smell. I feel like I want to barbecue all of a sudden, you know. I'm like, I want to be outside. You know, it, it's just... And I think God made us like that. He made us to enjoy the world. Did He not tell Adam and Eve? He said, look, I'm putting you in the garden. Cultivate it. Make it better. That's what He told them. That was their job. That's our job. We have our little plot of whatever it is. You have your lot in life. Make it better. That's our job. We're to enjoy what we have. Not always longing for what we don't have. Don't wish your life away. Instead, look around today. Take it all in. See who's around you. Love those people. Enjoy those people. Holiness is alive too. Just like a living plant, holiness is about being alive. A lot of people, when you all of a sudden start talking about be holy, they think, oh, I got to straighten up and make sure, you know, let's be real. Don't, don't say anything in church. Don't let the babies cry. Don't do this. You know, don't. Let's just be real proper. That's what it means to be holy. You know, we didn't have a really holy service because they were out there having a party and we couldn't, I couldn't pay attention, you know. Listen, holiness is alive and real. It's not something that is just a production. One of the things that I that, that, that will always, as long as I'm living, be a part of our church is that this is not just going to be some production. It's not. I mean, it, maybe one day we'll pay people to do you know, smoke machines. I, who knows? I, I have no idea. We don't have the money for that kind of thing right now, and it's really not on the docket at all. But maybe one day we'll pay people to do things to make it look better and maybe sound better and all this kind of stuff. You know what? I like reality. I like to live in real stuff with real people. When I go to... Maybe this is just something with me, but when I go to things and they're too perfect, I I don't really care too much for it, to be honest with you. really don't. If it's too choreographed, everything's on cue, nobody messes up, I'm like, man, that's not real. That's not for real. I know you got something that you're hiding. You know what I mean? No, no, something's wrong here. I like stuff... That's why when I... You know, when our, in our first service, I almost choked to death on, on the Eucharist, on, on the bread. I took the bread. I was showing everybody how to take communion, and I, and I had a really dry throat, and I almost choked. Some of you were there for that. And, and I, after, after I got choked down, I said, you know what? This is for real right here. You know what I mean? This is, this is real life. Uh, we're not having a fake thing going on here where everybody's, you know... Uh, we have too many kids to have anything else other than real. You know what I mean? If you have kids around, you're going to have to be real. I'll just be honest with you. It's going to happen. And you know what? Holiness is alive. It's real. It's not something made up. We're not called to be statues. Some people, you start talking about holiness, they think you're supposed to be just some statue of, of goodness. No, it's a lived reality. There's a reason they canonize people as saints after they're dead. Just think about it. It's because they can still mess up in this life. You know what I mean? That's why. That's, I'm serious. That's actually why the Catholic Church does that. And so they want to make sure their life goes all the way to the end. And then once their life is done, then you can look and say, oh yeah, they had a, they had a life worth emulating. But look, it's wide open right now. Today is the day where we choose salvation or not. And, and we're on one of those paths. We're either on that broad path that's easy and it leads to destruction, or we're on the narrow path where we're not going to be able to carry a lot of stuff with us. It's kind of like one of those... Um, there's maybe I can't remember where the park is. When did this park? It's called Fat Man Squeeze. I mean, you got to get in there and you got to be doing this number right here. You know, you can't bring a bunch of baggage with you. You got to take off your coat and stuff just to get through. 
It's a narrow way. And that way, you're not going to be able to bring a bunch of garbage with you. That's what Lent's about. It's about getting rid of the garbage. Laying it aside. Paul says, look, if you're in a race, you want to lay it all aside so that you can run diligently the race that is set before you. Not only that, holiness is lived. It's not just alive and real. It's something that we are told to live out toward others. John Wesley's famous for saying it. Uh, he said, there is no holiness apart from social holiness. In other words, you can't just say you're holy if you're not relating to other people. In other words, we can't run to the desert and say, hey, look, you know, I'm not participating at all in anything in the world, and therefore I'm holy. That's not what holiness is, is retreating and becoming a recluse from society. No, no, no. It's living in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the filth and the stench of this world, and living with the aroma of Christ. That's what it means to be holy. It means to love real people who really get on your nerves sometimes and really mess up sometimes. Because guess what? You really get on somebody's nerves and really mess up too sometimes. That's what I just have to always remind myself. And you know what? Holiness is also attractive. Not just alive. Not just lived out. But it's very, very attractive when you see it. It's not somebody... A holy life is not one that you don't want to be around. Boring. That's not a holy life. A holy life is going to be something that people are attracted to. Now, I don't mean you look good and you have a bunch of money. And stuff. I mean those people in your life, everybody's bumped into them. Where they may not even look all that pleasing on the outside, but you want to be around them. When you leave their presence, you feel better about yourself and you feel like you should do better out there in the world. You have people like that in your life? I have some friends like that that when I talk to them, they just make me feel better. It's not that they're gloating or something or lying to me. It's just being around them. The, the smell that they give off is one of holiness. And it's very attractive and it actually makes me a better person to be around them. That's what Jesus offers. When we bump into Him, that's the kind of holiness that He offers. So, in conclusion, come home. You ever had that smell of home? You know what I'm talking about? You ever been on a trip before and you get back home and you just like, ah, this, this is good. This is home. Maybe your grandma's house. Maybe that's where it is. There's just this certain smell of home. You know what I'm talking about? Look, when I went to India, come back to America, it's it's like... Yes, hamburgers, you know, all kind of. It's, it's, that's what I was looking for. That's actually what I ate when I got back. Um, I was like, I'll take you to whatever restaurant you want to go to. Let's go to Taco Bell. You know, it's like, I just want something like. No, the smell of home is something very distinct. And you know what? We, spiritually speaking, are made for home. And until we start smelling that in our life, spiritually speaking, We're not ever going to be satisfied. But when we do, it's going to be like that apple pie or whatever kind of dessert that you like that's baking and you cannot wait until that thing gets done and the beeper goes off. That's how Christians live. We live with the smell of heaven on us spiritually. And yet the beeper's still waiting to go off. 
for the end when we feast. But we can live like that in the midst of this dying and decaying world. We can live with the smell of home. <laughs> he can bring us what is good in our life and He can help us to love those around us and to forgive them and bring real joy to our hearts. We don't have to live neutral. We don't have to live a stinking life either. We can live a clean, holy life. This is what Jesus Himself says to us. This is what the Holy Spirit promises to us. And it just as our readings dealt with, if we would just call on Him. Just call out His name. There's people in your life that need you to call on Jesus this morning. There's marriages that are weighing in the balance. There's families right there on the midst of leaving one another, saying things that shouldn't be said. There are people at work who are struggling and going to hell. It's on us to be the aroma of Christ, the fragrance of God in the world. If Paul is telling the Corinthians they can do that, guess what? You can do it. The Corinthians, they were some pretty tough people to work with. Really were. Tougher than you. And he said, you know what? You are the aroma of Christ. Let's call on God this morning to make us smell a little better for Valentine's. What do you say? Amen.